Hi, I'm Eric Roberts, and I want to welcome you to this session in the Worship Leadership Foundations course. This originally is a recording of a live session I did for Propel Worship Leadership Seminars in 2011. Much of the material in the Foundations is brought from that original workbook. You can find that workbook, the graphics, the designs, everything at worshiptheking.com uh, when you join Worship Leadership Foundations. I was grateful to find these sessions from 2011 where I was speaking to a small group of friends and worship leaders in a time in my life when I was really digging in deep to building my own worship teams in several churches. So you're in the right place if you really want to learn how to grow a successful worship ministry and how to lead worship well with less stress. And that's where we're going to start right here today in this live session. But just don't forget that God is with you. He's going to equip you and give you the strength and the wisdom you need. Let's listen in to the session from Propel 2011. It's all the same. People in every church are the same. I know because I've been to a lot of churches. so, And I've done a lot of worship ministry and a lot of team building. And that's where this Propel came from. Because I wanted to give uh, worship leaders the insights that I've gained over the years of building teams and, and uh, having the success that I had. And, and so this is, um, I, was, I was in Florida <clears throat> on vacation and I opened up a journal because I, I always want to be doing something. So I was reading, I opened up a journal from back in 2000, no, it was probably like 99. I started leading worship when I was 17 and my youth worship team. And then I had mentors. I had worship leader mentors, a few guys that came up and they took me under and they said, we're going to, we see something in you and we want to take you and help you, you know, be a better worship leader. So those are the people that affected my life. And I went to a worship seminar in 99-ish or whatever. I was young. And when I came out of the worship seminar, the, the board of the church wanted me to write down. They wanted to, they always want to know something, you know. I always want to figure out what, what you did with their money or something. So they said, you know, write down. And they were just trying to help me too. But they wanted me to write down the, everything I learned. And so I started writing. And I wrote 19 points in that journal that day. It was about five pages. And 10 years later, after uh, I was finished leading worship at Springboro here, about had been gone from there about a year and a half, I was looking through this journal, and I thought, I'll just read this journal, and it blew me away. I thought, these 19 points that I learned when I was really young, like 18 years old, they were still the most true 19 points for ministry that I'd ever had. I mean, it was like, it was like reading something from... Um, somebody that day, you know, that was really smart about the ministry. The mentorship around me and the things I was learning when I was 17, 18 years old was so applicable to right then as a worship leader. It was foundational. Uh, I called them the 19, you know, foundational points because they just, it just hit me really hard. I thought, wow, at that age, I had such, an, uh, such a knowledge given to me from my mentors and it carried me through the years of ministry that I was able to to become successful leading bands and doing the things that I knew God wanted me to do. And so I just had this, this aha moment. I, I got I to gotta be able to you know, help other people learn these truths, even if they're young or even if they're right in the middle, even if they're old or young. They can be right in the middle of their beginning or whatever. But, you know, so this, the 19 <clears throat> truths are not in this book. And, you know, I may publish them on my blog. Some of them are, you know, whatever. But 
I guess I just shared that so you can get a little background on me since we'll be spending the day together. And, and to know that in, in ministry, you know, leadership is the number one thing. And, you know, you've heard everybody say everything rises and falls on leadership. And I don't know who thought of that, but it's pretty true. And it's really true that I've, when I've looked around at worship teams uh, that I've worked with, it's really true that it all rises and falls on leadership. The leadership that, that you are in affects the whole church, affects everybody around you. And so I felt that instead of teaching you more guitar chords, because that's fun and that's usually what I do, I want to teach something deeper, something that will take you further, something that will enhance your ministry. And I've just seen so many worship leaders struggling and, and with these points that we're going to be talking about today. So I hope that, that I have plenty of place for notes. You don't have to write notes. But I have plenty of spot for place for you to take notes. And I want you to, are you all building teams? Are you building, you a worship leader? I have a team. You have a team. I, I've been working with, I guess. I'm, I'm okay. Building, yeah, good, good. And I know you, you are building a team, and you're trying to build a team, and you're trying to rebuild a team. So, you know, we're, we're facing a lot of challenges in, 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 in building teams. And so I'm, I'm going to be giving you today, not everything I say is like so true. It couldn't be true. I mean, there's a lot of ways to approach a worship team and how to build one and how to develop one. <clears throat> but so we can even discuss some of those things today, like what, you know, my philosophy it could be much different or the same as some, some of yours. But the philosophies I'm going to teach are proven True, they work, they develop strong musicians, strong teams, and strong worship. And so, first of all, though, I want to talk about you. And I want to talk about you as being the pit, what are you, the pit boss of the NASCAR pit. So you got this car, and I, and I was studying to teach this, and I, I, I found this, it's so amazing. <clears throat> but it says, and this isn't in your book, but... Um, I found this uh, article from how to land one of the most fast and furious jobs on the planet. It is a, to work on a pit crew. And so the, the ad that they posted was, Wanted, a multi-million dollar corporation seeks a talented team player with a refused to lose attitude, must handle extreme pressure well, and make every second count. Mistakes will not be tolerated and may lead to immediate dismissal. Extensive travel required. I mean, who, who wants that job? It's insane. So I, I look about, uh, think about this pit boss, and I, I, read, I wrote down, I actually have the whole article here, and I think I, I wrote down a little bit more of the examples. We're looking for someone with strength, speed, coordination, people who desire to beat somebody. They have that competitive spirit. Um, then they're the mental skills. The best crew members are those who can block out the dangers of their job, the beehive of activity that surrounds them, and concentrate specifically on their role. Before a pit stop, when the car is coming down the pit road, I always visualize the stop, Ward says. You pick out a time when you were on and you did your job perfectly, and then you try to do that. You think about what it takes to do a good stop. He's visualizing that car coming down the road and thinking of everything around him. But he's vision, you know, he has one specific thing to do. You have to be able to shut everything else out. If you're a tire changer, you need to get your five lug nuts off and five lug nuts on. That's all you have to worry about. But you have to do it perfectly every time. You have to be able to put everything aside. He says that each position on a pit crew may call for different physical traits. 
And this is very interesting. For example, the front tire changers should have the obvious hand-eye coordination, but it helps if they're small. That's because they take up less space and it leaves more room for the jackman to pass. He said he compares this position to a shortstop or a lightweight wrestler. An ideal jackman, though, he may be more like a linebacker, so he's going to be a big guy. He needs good upper body strength to get the proper leverage and needs to be quick on his feet. Taller people are often ideal for the job of gas man because they can get up there and put the gas in. So they're, they're talking about a pit crew and they're saying every, <clears throat> every little job and every little person is so specific. And everything uh, in this job is, is very demanding. So I have this thing I made. <clears throat> Let's talk about our traits, the traits of an excellent leader. You have to accept your role and take your responsibility. You're going to have to find and solve problems. You're going to have to serve your team. You're going to have to be humble. You're going to have to be absolutely excellent. There's not a lot of error space for a leader. You don't run around and just do a half job and hope that people follow you. That's not what people follow. People follow excellence. People follow leaders. Leaders are not half-made men. So what about this? You're the leader doing a great job. You have to have your eyes peeled, taking it all in. You have to see from every different angle. When I think of the pit crew, I also think of the worship team, and I thought, wow. All the times that probably people look up and think, oh, that guy's just a, yeah, he's a good singer, a good guitar player. I mean, I'm, I'm thinking about everything. Every little, you know, sometimes I would wake up in the middle of the night and wonder, like, did I plug that one cable into that, into that third channel? You know, is that, and I'd always have this nightmare that the soundboard blow up or something. You know, so I'm not just up there, la, 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 singing on my guitar. As a leader, I'm looking at all aspects of the team, the sound team and everything that, that's built around that. That's what we have to do or we don't have an excellent team. So when something's not going right, you must determine and find a way to make it right. You have the burden of finding that. And so many days in my team building, I've spent driving and talking to a, a team member or just thinking over and over I know this isn't right, but how do we fix it? How do we do this? How do we go to the next level? I'm the, you know, it's like, how do we shave one second off that stop? How do we shave one second off that tire changer's job? How can we win the race? So we have to be able to diagnose the problems. We have to be able to set goals and lead others and reach them. And we have to be willing to admit we're in over our head so we can seek help. And this can make or break your team. This is just a leadership quality. I'm just kind of talking generally about leadership, but it applying to worship. And if you don't have this ability, you'll leave your team stranded. So, in mediocrity. You could say, I'm in over my head. I'm a, I know my tire changer. He, he's, he's only putting three lug nuts on, and he's getting real slow. And he's always dropping that fourth one. And I don't know how to fix it. I, I, I don't know, because I'm not a tire changer. That's the one thing I never did. I'm just going to, I guess we'll just have to wait. Just let him just drop that lug. So the whole team suffers because you, maybe you've diagnosed a problem, but you're, you don't know how to fix it. And so your, your car, instead of, I don't know, 10 seconds or 20 seconds, now you're up to 45 seconds, and your guy's always losing. Your whole team. You lose all your money, your sponsorship. All the good guys that are on your team that were doing really fast, the gas man, the best gas man on the, on the whole NASCAR circuit, he quits, goes to another team. Because I want to win. I can't win with that tire changer. 
Well, that's, that's your responsibility. It's not, it's not his responsibility. I mean, he's got to change it a little faster. But as a leader, you have to be able to do that and be able to know when you're in over your head and know how to seek help and do whatever you can to make your team better. So <clears throat> I, look, I think about church ministry, and as I've done it over the years, it isn't like, you know, hey, I mean, I wish I could say, hey, uh, Daryl, I'm going to, you know, we're, we're having a new worship band start up, or hey, Allie, we're going to start a worship band, you know, at church, and it's going to be a fourth team. And it's, it's like, you know, maybe about an hour of practice a week, and then we're going to play on Sunday, and it's, it pays about, it's 1200 bucks a week. So, you know, if you can do that, that'd be great. What do you think? Yeah. I mean, if somebody would call me up and hey, we're going to just, you know, write this big check for you, and it's going to be a lot of easy work. I mean, worship teams would be like, we'd be like American Idol, you know, lined up outside the church. Pick me. But here's what happens. Here's the reality, and, and as a leader, this is always a struggle. But it kind of goes, I, I just did this. I thought it was kind of funny, if I can even find it now. It's in your book. But it's on page 15, and it says, wanted. This is the truth. This is the truth. It isn't the $1,200 a week, hour, you know, hour a week job. The church on the corner seeks a completely dedicated musician to play every week, practice every Wednesday night until 10 p.m., drive to church two hours early without your family, sit through multiple services, and keep a smile and a positive attitude the entire time. Letting down the team by playing a wrong chord or having cheap equipment will not be tolerated and may lead to immediate dirty looks from the worship leader. Extensive commitment is required. Pays $0 each week. And that sounds like the kind of team I was building. That sounds like the teams I've been asked to be on. As a professional musician, I'm like, this is what we're up against. That's, that's just kind of something funny. It's true, though. It's so funny, but it's so true. Um, now, let's look at this... Um, Page 15 diagram um, motivated uh, uh, your team. Um, this is, I want to make sure I get this right. I have all these notes and I can't even. So we're going to talk about our team. And I just wanted to, when I was thinking through some of this, and some of this might be look kind of corporate or. Or whatever, but whatever we got to think. We got to think uh, as big as we can in our churches. We have to be as excellent as we can. So your team has some has some elements, and you can add to this, or you can take this and look at it. You can grade your team as you go through this week. You can think, okay, but to have a good worship service, all we really need is a guitar and and, and Christ. We can sing and worship Him, right? But when we're called to take up the reins at a church and lead a congregation. It's not like um, a simple process that, no, that we just do like, okay, yeah, I grab a guitar, let's so sing, and that's what I wish it was, but it's not like that. It's not like that. I, trust me, I, well, you guys already know that. Oh, it's easy. Just grab your guitar and just sing and worship. Don't worry if the words are wrong on the screen or if there's, yeah. I don't worry if the sound system's broken. Don't worry if half the people don't know how to play. Just, just, just sing. That's not it. When we're called into a role as a worship leader, there's many roles that go into that. And part of it is on this little circle of team. You have to have a team, and they have to be at the top. They have to be, first of all, motivated. 
you have to have a worship motivated congregation. And that's something as leaders that I've, I've led for some youth groups that are just like, oh man, they're brutal. They're staring at you the whole time. Like they're not going to do anything, are they? You know, so talking about a vibrant, healthy church worship program, you need a, a worship motivated congregation. You need people who are willing to say, yes, I want to worship. I want to worship God. I came to do that. Then you don't need much else on that. But that's a, it's a key element. You need a solid song catalog. You have to have solid songs. You have to have biblical-based songs. We're going to talk about that in our next session. How I think it's one of the most important things in a, in a worship, in a church that will worship, is a solid song catalog, one that motivates the congregation, one that they know, and it's our job. The burden is on us. We are the worship leaders, and most that I know, I pick my own songs. Do you all pick your own songs? You're, you're, you're picking the song catalog for the most part that you're leading the congregation into. And so this is on you. A solid song catalog is very important. Without that, people won't worship. They, you, they just won't. Um, you need a well-trained band. You need to have training, and you need to have trained people in your band. That's a very important element, and we're going to be talking about that in detail in the later sections. It takes effort to train a band, and it takes well-trained band members to play worship, especially in today's world. Even though um, 20 years ago, guitar was very hard to play. You had to be really good to play a solo. Now you don't have to do much. Two notes will be fine. Slide them up and down. So it's not like they have to be virtuosos, but they have to be well-trained, well-versed in their instrument. That's very important. Uh, Excellent sound team. Now, if there's time today, I've got a special sound seminar, which I, I, it's not on the schedule, but it's, if there's any, any minute of, of free space, I'm going to give you my uh, five-minute sound check. Um, an, an excellent sound team is probably the most important part to me of a whole worship team. And I know a lot of people don't think that. They overlook this part of the, the process, and it basically it just destroys their whole program. If you don't have an excellent sound team and great equipment to use or stuff that you can, you know, like, for, I won't go into that. If you don't have an excellent sound team, then you're in big trouble. So we're gonna we can we're gonna talk a little bit about that, but I want you to if you if you got a pen put a note by that and just mark it because you need to think through: Is my sound team excellent? Are they amazing? Are they always there? Are they always mixing great? Am I very happy with my equipment and with those guys running my sound? And if you're not, this week, this month, you need to put that at the top of your list. Just take this whole seminar, just put it on the bottom, and just put that right up here. Excellent sound team. You can go to practice. You can have the most amazing players. You can do everything. You can have a worship-motivated congregation, and you can't hear the worship leader. The feedback's going on, and the guitar's way loud. And no, nobody's going to worship to that. I, I speak a different language than most people, and as musicians, you might understand this. To me, it's been, it's, it's a little bit, it's an emotional language, and it's music. I feel like that is part of my language to God, is music. So if I go to a church, and their sound's all messed up, I'm like, what? I can't, I can't even fathom what they're doing. I can't speak to God. I can't communicate with Him because my language, it's part of my language. So I've, as, as a worship leader uh, and as a congregation member, it's important that... The, is there somebody behind me? I heard something. It's important that as a, congreg- as a congregation member and as a, a worship leader, we are able to speak that language. You guys know what I'm talking about? I mean, I have to hear... like. When I was 
younger, I would sit on my bed and I would strum, this is weird, but I would just strum a G chord and just close my eyes and I just hear the G chord. And it's, I don't know, it's a, it's a, it's an amazing thing what God has created. And so when that's your language, you, 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 at least I long for that excellence, that sound, that tone that our sound guys are destroying. So we have to train them. We have to be with them. We have to lead them. They're a part of our team. They're like part of, you know, and when we, when we are building this band, our sound guy is like part of the band. He's like one of my number one trusted members. I don't let anybody stand behind my soundboard. It's like my trusted, most trusted friend, my most trusted ear. That's the guy. I'll take my guitar player off the, off the stage if I have to, if I had to put him behind the soundboard. It's that important. So please don't ever forget that. You have to have an all-for-one, biblically-based team. You have to be inspired. What inspires us to worship? What makes us more than a band, more than a rock band? Because I've been in plenty of rock bands, and they're, they're cool. There's something more when you become all-for-one, inspired, a biblically-based team. There's more to it. There's more to it. It's about worship. And you need an inspired team behind you, not just a bunch of players, not just a bunch of great sound guys. All this stuff. You see all this stuff's kind of just, you need a lot of stuff. An all-for-one biblically-based team. So you have to make sure that you have that and create that family. Create the, the, the foundation in your team members and in your life to have an inspired worship service. You, you can't just go through the motions. We have to be speaking that language that I was talking about, that worship language to God as a team, as a biblically-based way. You might want to think about being blended, too. You want to have blended vocalist. And this little <clears throat> tree that I made, I didn't think a lot about it. I didn't sit down and try to create something. I just thought, what are the main elements, the things that I need? And these are those things. You need blended vocalist. You need to have somebody who can sing and somebody who can sing well. Um, I, so people who don't sing or don't, are not musicians, they'll just, whatever. You can sing off key. They don't care. They don't even know. And that's, there's some of your congregation members are like that. They'll say, oh, that was really good. And I'm like, were you listening to the same thing I was? I don't think they even sang it on pitch. You know, but that's, like, that's just our language. That's what we're speaking. And we have to have blended vocalists. You know? Not everybody's tone deaf and is just going to be so happy that you did it. They want it to sound good, too. You know? Blended vocalists are hard to do, and they're hard to get, and it's hard to maintain. And in our church culture, it's hard to know. So my advice is just work hard and look at what's modern and what's happening. Uh, everybody wants to join the worship team and sing, but, no, but half of those people probably shouldn't be on the worship team. And there's all kinds of techniques you can use to change that around, make that happen for you. Get the right people and get them blended. Blended in a sense of... They sing well together and they're trained. Just the same thing as being trained. So this is what I want your team to look like. These are some elements. If you have others, you can write them down there and think, well, I also want to have this in my team or that in my team. This is just a little guideline um, of your team. Let's go to page 16. I'm talking about worship team commitment. Uh, um, this is something that I use with my teams at one point that you don't have to use it, but you can, but you can, you can, you should have something like this in your team, in that circle that we're looking at, something that, some expectation, 
and some level of excellence and some bar you're rising. As a leader, that's kind of what you do. You raise a bar up and you say, here's where we're at. And then you keep raising it higher. Here's where we're at. And then you keep raising it higher. Here's where we're at. And you don't ever stop raising that bar. You never do. You could never say, here we are. We're going to stay right here. This is just perfect. Because in six months, some new piece of equipment's going to come out. Some new style of guitar playing is going to be there. You're going to have to go back and like this. If we were still leading worship like 1925, even if it was the best 1925, wouldn't it be kind of outdated by now? So let's just keep raising the bar. You should have a bar, and you should always have it and always be raising it. As much as you can tolerate it and, and as much as you can... Um, it can be frustrating as a leader to do that and to never feel satisfied. But you always have to remember, you know, there's like a time when you can rejoice that, you're, that you've made it this far. And then you know what your team's like. And then you push them a little further. And you push them a little further. And you keep going. And it's personal, too. You'll never be a better worship leader. You'll never, you'll never, um, you'll be good now. And then a year later, you'll be even better. If you've ever recorded yourself and listened to it like two years later, you're like, what? Or watch something you did like three years ago. You go, what? At least I do. I go, oh, I was, I was the back, that was back when I was using that pedal or that guitar sound. Or, that was before I learned how to use my voice this way. Or, that was, you know, that's everything we do. And it happens, it should happen for you on a regular basis as a leader. Because if it's not, your team is going to be stale. They're just there. We'll just do it. Uh, but this is <clears throat> this was a, something that I created because I, I felt like my team wasn't getting me. They weren't understanding what I did. I, I said, how do, you, how do you prepare for worship? You read your psalms, you, know, you go to bed early, and you sleep well. I mean, I had team members like staying up all night, coming in half asleep. I'm like, wait a minute. The bar is wrong. You guys are under the bar that I'm setting. I go to bed early on Saturday night. That's not a party night. I don't care if you're in college or not. If you're committed to my team, go to bed early and quit acting like you can't wake up on Sunday morning. Prepare the basics. This is stuff that I did, and I learned that over the years doing it made it a lot easier to lead worship. I just lay everything out the night before. Be very, you know, I'm not like that normally. Most musicians aren't. So we work with people that are like us that are very just like whatever. Do something. Then we we have to do something better than that. So we have to put out rules and put out strategies to make ourselves better and our team better. So get up early and be early. That's a, I mean, who does that every day? Who gets up early and goes to work early every day? See? Okay, stay at home mom. So she gets up early and she's ready to go early. But see, people don't, people don't think that like for church, they probably got up early and went to work early all week. And so like, oh, it's church. Yeah, I'll get there. They'll be fine. It's only zero dollars this week. I'm getting paid anyway. Oh yeah, good good question. <laughs> and and it and it will be a problem, and it can be a huge problem. You have to build the team mentality, and this is this might help. This little sheet. Get up early and be early. I mean, the reason they're late, I, I think. I'll tell you the only way I ever got my teams to be on time, and 
I don't know if you're doing this or not, but the only way to get your team, and we'll talk about this in removing roadblocks later. It's all about pre-rehearsal prep and everything. That's about being on time and stuff, but um, it's the weirdest thing. The only way I ever got anybody to actually be on time is to be earlier than them and then right. yell at them when they don't come on time. I happened to make them pay a dollar every time they were late, then I felt bad. <laughs> I've, I've, I've heard of that one. Yeah, Paul. Yes, because right. Because you show up and you hear the music playing, you're like, oh my goodness, I'm late. But if, if, you, if, you, uh, if you wait until everyone gets there and you start 15 minutes late, then everyone's going to think, well, I'm not going to start for another 15 minutes anyway. Yeah. And this is a leadership, like, number one. I know that with my teams, that's the only, and it's hard. I, I hate starting without team members. I hate that because I think it's a waste of my time to go through three songs while the, the guitar player is still, like, eating a burrito. Mm -hmm. And he gets there. That didn't happen ever, but um, but here's but Paul's right, and Paul was on one of my teams, and I think that as a, when you set the standard really strict and you say we're starting at seven o'clock, you're there early, the sound's ready, everything's going, then it seems like people will come at seven. But if you if you say we're starting at seven, and then you know we like to be laid back, and then we got to okay, let's do a few more mic checks, and it's seven twenty, and people like calculate. I think people say, oh well, every time I go at seven. We don't really get anything done until like 7.20. So I'm just going at 7.20. So it's kind of like you have to be, like Paul said, start on time. Start every time on time. Don't, you know, and I would make it a, a personal issue with that team member. If there's like, is it all of them or just one of them or a couple? Um, all three of them. Yeah, I would just tell them we're starting at 7 and we're ending at this time. Ending on time is important too. Or knowing, to me it's knowing your team's limit. If they, if they tell you, hey, we don't mind to stay till 12 then you can stay till 12. If you tell them we're having practice from seven to nine and you start at seven and end at uh, like 10, 15, you have no right to expect them to come early, I think. I think we have to respect their time bounds on both sides, the end and the beginning. So sometimes I'd tell my team, okay, the practice is over. For those of you who have to go, I'm gonna stay in whatever. You know, I don't have to leave, I don't have to leave. And some of, some of my team members were close friends, so we'd stay for another hour. Or whatever. Some of them had uh, kids and they had to be home, so they'd just get up and they'd go. But let them know that here's the time we're ending, here's the time we're starting. And when you say we're starting at seven and you just and it just trickles on, it's 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 a weird team thing. It just happens. Everybody will just keep coming late, and it's almost like you want to well, beat them. It was established before I came to the church that everyone was late. So. <laughs> so you have to be the really rotten leader that says we're gonna. You can, <clears throat> I think something like this and explaining your heart to them is a good way to start and then always being on time. Because I, I, was, I was not that great at that throughout times I was leading. Sometimes I'd be late or whatever. But as soon as you do that, you kind of break down the uh, motivation for those who are timely to be timely. You kind of offend them, I think. If you, I'm not saying you, you, you're late, but... Yeah, if you're early, you're ready, and in removing roadblocks, we talk about that, and I think it's getting your team on the right page, just sitting down and saying, guys, we're, like, I'm raising the bar, and this is hurting our team, because so many of our members have this many kids, and they come early, but you're late, so if you want to be on the team, you have to be on time, and if you don't want to be on the team, if you're going to continue to be late, you're probably not going to be on the team much longer. That's a tough thing to say, but like in auditioning, in setting expectations, 
if somebody was always late, I would just be like, you're, you're done. You know, you've got a couple more times, and then you're just showing us that you don't care. So you'll, you'll just be on probation. You'll be replaced. Right, right. Well, I'll fix that problem for you. It's a widespread problem. Say, for example, uh, you have people who, who work until 6.30 and there's no way they can get to 7.15. If you have a few people like that, then maybe you might consider, okay, what time can everyone actually get here? Yeah, yeah right. That's time. You know, Good idea. We practice on Sunday mornings before church because that's the only time that we can all okay. get. Yeah, so, I mean, we have to be on time yeah. and we need to start on time or it probably frustrates you, right, with the whole rehearsal. It frustrates the practice time. Nobody's, you know, you probably aren't as good as you could have been because they were late. I would just have and a heart I'm to heart. I'm not complaining about our team. I think our team is, is quite excellent for a small of our churches. Yeah, um, yeah. So I'm not complaining about the team, but I would like to start on time. Yeah, well, I think, I think by the end of the day, you're going to have enough ideas. Like I, in training, I talk a lot about this and in auditioning. And I know when you're small and you can't just replace the person, my approach was personal, personal, one-on-one. -on -one. Get to know them and bring them in. Show them what you're doing. Tell them to come early every week. Hey, would you come at 6.30 or whatever, because that's when I come. I need help with setup. You have to, you know, as a leader, you have to, whatever it takes to get them on time. There does come a time in your leadership when you say, You've made, you're hurting the team. I'm raising the bar, and you have to come along. But there's all kinds of, in church, it's hard, because I would just say, get rid of them you know, and just find somebody else. But a lot of times you can't do that. It's not right really to do that. What you have to do is train them in, personally bring them along, and make concessions. They may say, well, I have nine kids and I only have one bathroom, you know, and say, okay, well, we know that, you know, Fred's going to be late every week. So we, we, we have him set up early on Saturday afternoon, and then he comes in and we just go on without him. You, there's all kinds of things that we do as leaders in worship teams that, to me, it's all about personal, personal, it's about being knowing that person really well and knowing why they're late. And if there's like, say you have 10 on your team, if five of them are always late, just start with the first one, the one that's always late most, and start bringing them in and bringing them in. And showing them that you desire the excellence because that's, I think that's what people respond to most is like, oh wow, I'm really hurting my leader because they're, they're there really early. And then I'm, I'm kind of, and I'm not saying that some of this won't lead to, you're gonna have to sit out because we just can't wait for you anymore. You know, so in my team building mentality, the team is the team. We are one. We are, you know, if, if the, like in the pit crew, if one guy is messing up, the whole team hurts. So you have to be able to know as a leader when it's time to tell that one person, hey, for the next month, we're just going to ask you to sit out. And I'm going to talk to you a little bit more about being on time because we value you. You've got to be on time because we can't be good without you. But because we're trying to be so excellent, we have to ask you just to sit out until you're ready to commit to this. You're ready to commit to laying out your clothes, whatever it takes, but you have to know them really personally or you end up getting thrown out of the church yourself probably. You know, that's good. That's good. You know, there's so many elements, but I think if we stick to leadership principles that, that, are, that are, you know, and just talk and communication, a lot of times I would jump, uh, jump into things maybe before talking to that person because we have a vision as a leader. This is where we're going. This is, where I'm, this is what we're going to do. And then that person's like, yeah, but I have nine kids. I can't. You know? So you, you have to 
put your vision, you know, make your excellence as high as you can, and put, but put those things aside. So when you go to your team members, you're bringing them along. You can't have a team. As a leader, for me, I mean, I would strap every single one of my team members on my back and drag them through the mud if I had to, to get them where I wanted to go. And I'm not, you know, that's what you have to be willing to do as a leader. That's what I feel like. If I'm not the one dripping sweat first and just dragging those guys, I, you know, pretty soon they'll come up along, along with you. And you'll know who's coming sooner and you'll, you'll create these great friendships. But if they're just always late and it's bugging you, then I think it's, it's okay to just uh, start raising the bar on them and talking to them. But Paul is totally right. Start on time always, even without them. Leave them behind. Leave them in the dust. Make them mess up because they didn't get there on time. And then always start on time and end on time. So they start to feel like, wow, they're really starting to get serious. Because uh, I know when I goofed around, my team would start goofing around. It's like it would just trickle out. And pretty soon I'd be frustrated. Like, why are they goofing around so much? And my wife would say, well, you didn't start till 8 o'clock. Like, oh, yeah. Well, I was hungry, you know. So we're, we're leaders are people, too. You know, we, we goof around, too, or I do. Um, let's, let's go. Uh, there's got to be an equal amount of goofing and leading going on at the same time. Uh, let's go to the number 17, the God-inspired circle. Now, this, this is something that, this is amazing because this is what you're doing. Um, how do you sp- pronounce your name, Aja? Asia. Asia. That's what you're doing. You're saying, man, I envision a better team that's on time more. So, so let's do what the God-inspired circle says. And this is something that God, it's, it's God-inspired, and it's a circle that goes around, and it keeps going around. Like I said, they're raising the bar. Here's what we're doing as leaders. We're envisioning to form a mental picture of something, typically something that may occur or be possible in the future. Envision. I'm envisioning that my whole team will be on time. And we'll always start on time. I'm envisioning that we'll have more musicians than I need. I'm envisioning that our sound guys will start mixing us and we'll sound like pros. Okay? That's the first part as a leader. This is, this is what happens to you. In your heart and your mind, it's a big circle and it keeps going. And God's right there in the middle of it because you're the leader. You're his leader. You're the one he's put in charge of all these people. Now measure the, measure the team. To assess the effect or quality of something, often against a standard. So you have to measure something, in my opinion now, when I look at music, you have to have a standard. It's easy to willy-nilly walk around and say, we don't sound that good. Or, we sound awesome. That's a better one. It's amazing. And then you turn on a CD, I don't know, Paul Balash or somebody who is amazing, who has great... He's on the radio, and he's a professional. So you're like, your team's like, we're awesome. And you like turn on a Paul Blosh CD, and you're like, I don't know. He sounds better than us. I don't know. That sounds like he's doing something different than we did. So in other words, measure to assess the effect or quality of something, often against the standard. And nobody wants to do this. Nobody's going to do this. Your team isn't going to come to you and go, I've been measuring us against these other guys. And we stink. Nobody's going to do that. That's your job. That's your job because you're leading them. Uh, A lot of times worship bands will do that. They'll play. They'll go, we're awesome. And they'll go, whatever. That's fine. And I hate to have to tell them. Sometimes as the leader, I say, no, that wasn't awesome. 
That wasn't that great. I mean, it was okay. But the bar that I'm setting is over here, and it's measured against this. Now, you can't come into the worship team who's been together for three weeks and has, like, missing a bass player and half drummer only has one arm and, or whatever, and, and then they play you a song, and you go, well, yeah, but you stink because Paul Balash's sounds like this. Or the church down the street I was at last week, they've got, like, this. So you guys are terrible. So you have to measure. You have to be able to measure against the standard, and then you have to be able to grow. To produce something as part of a natural process or allow it to be produced. This is an amazing definition of grow. Okay, To move from one condition to another, especially gradually. Especially gradually moving from one condition to another. So you... <clears throat> You have to produce something as a part of a natural process, and that's what musicians are. We're a natural process. That's what worship teams are. It's a real natural process. It's only going to happen gradually. And because of a few pages ago and we saw this big web of stuff that we need to be excellent, we can't go into a worship team and then like in two weeks have like an amazing team. Trust me, I've tried it. It doesn't work. You have, there are so many aspects of the worship team and the church and the sound and the pastor and the service. There's so many aspects upon your shoulders that you can only grow, grow gradually as a natural process. And sometimes the bar is set, you know, your bar may be way up here, but the bar that you have, you know, maybe your real bar is down here. You're trying to push it too far. That's why you have to envision and measure and then grow and then envision and measure and grow and then envision and then measure and then grow and keep doing that every little bit until your team is where you want so when you talk about growing it's we're going to talk about this in real detail like how you grow your team in my training section later but to produce something is a natural process or allow it to be produced to take from one condition to another. Envision, close your eyes and envision in your mind, and you're not going to do this. Well, actually, yeah, we are. We're going to do this, this now. We're going to think about our teams. We're going to envision what we think about our teams. Like, oh, this is what I really want. Maybe, maybe you saw it in another church. Maybe you saw it on TV. Maybe you just know by listening to music or your style, where you've come from. Maybe you had a church prior that you had a team like that, that, that was really high quality and really or there was a certain team aspect of it that was like that you knew was right that as a natural process it grew into something beautiful now you're going to envision what you want for your team then you're going to measure in your mind where are we at against the standard you know do that and then you're going to try to grow them but i think for today what i wanted you to do was uh, and this isn't going to i'm not going to grade this like i could grade it anyway this isn't like a school. But you're going to envision for your team. Envision what you want. Write it down. Um, I don't know. Like write it down right now. And we're going to play some music for, I don't know, five minutes or something. So really, I want you to think about some of the things I've said. We're ending this session. And we're going to, as soon as this is over, we're going to take a quick break and get back into part two of Ministry in Motion, which is kind of like the nuts and bolts of auditioning and training. So right now, it's important for me 
to see, it's important for you to, to whatever it might be. I want more guitar players. I need more musicians. I want to better this. I, I think you know what you need. I can keep going. Do you guys want me to keep giving examples? I wish our sound guy wasn't terrible. I wish our people at church, I wish they would just start worshiping. I wish people would raise their hands. I wish I wouldn't be the only one that really thought I understood what it meant to really truly worship God. What do you want for your team? Because God's put you in a leadership role and he's put a team under you. And the only way you're ever going to get it is to envision it right now. And it can be 10 steps ahead. Don't think I want the bar to be, it could be the next bar. It could be 10 bars from now, high. It has to be grand though. It has to be a grand vision because that's part of what leadership is. And there you have that as the segment um, that will help you begin to vision your team. Now I will tell you as a leader that having a vision is one of the number one things that you need. One of those things that will keep you getting up in the morning. One of those things that will keep you pushing forward in your ministry when other people are naysaying or things are getting tough or you lose a good team member or the church goes through problems. You must keep your eye on the prize. And as a leader, you must really feel a sense of vision. That's part of uh, what leadership is. So I would encourage you to do the same exercise we did here in this live session where you just take five minutes, turn on some quiet music and write down your vision. Dream about what you really want. This is the beginning of the leadership segment and this is the beginning for you to really envision what you want what God has for you in the future now some of you are gonna know exactly what it is and just go straight down and start writing it it's been burning in your heart others of you may just feel like you need a little more time to think God what do you want for the next step God what do you want for the ministry moving forward and I encourage you to take this quiet time now turn on some music and just let those emotions and thoughts come out on paper. God will be with you. I am praying for you. And if you need my help anytime, go to worshipthking.com and click contact. God bless.